Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Today in Space. We have a very special episode this week. Uh, it's something I've been wanting to do for a very long time, and it is definitely, if you're a podcast listener, inspired by Joe Rogan's Fight Pass. So if you hear any similarities, that's why. Um, if you're not familiar with Joe Rogan's Fight Pass, they have fighter friends on, they watch a fight, and they talk bullshit, they talk about fighting, um, and it's just a great time. This is kind of the same thing. I've been doing this with my friends, my engineering science buddies for a very, very long time. Uh, and I figured, why not let everybody else in on it? Because it's that awesome. So you're going to hear a bunch of my buddies talk about it today. We're going to hang out, have a few beers, enjoy in something called Drinking with Engineers. So please enjoy this week talking about genetics. So let's go. Today in space. W- 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 welcome to Today in Space. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Today in Space. And we have a special episode because actually we just went by the 50th episode. That was the last episode. Uh, didn't even realize it. Just kind of was like, oh, well, we passed 50. So uh, to celebrate the fact that we've made it this far, uh, we're going to do a very special episode. It's something that I've been wanting to do since we started it. And uh, this episode is going to be called Drinking with Engineers. And mm-hmm. it's just that. We'll be drinking with engineers and talking about science. Because as an engineer, that's pretty much what you do. So, uh, But realize this is the opinions of engineers that are drinking. So... Take it with your own discretion. Uh, you, uh, by listening to this, are are subscribing to the fact that you need to look up this information for yourself. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I've always thought this was fun as hell. So we did it all through college. So I'm going to do it here. And today, we're going to be talking about genetics in space. So what a topic to be talking about. Since especially, we just passed the halfway point for the Year in Space mission, where Scott Kelly and Mikhail Kornienko, uh, the two astronauts slash cosmonaut, uh, that are on the ISS uh, are passing the six-month period, which is where we know. Now they're entering the dark period of what we don't know about humans in space. So to celebrate that, I brought my friends who just happen to be in genetics. Uh, we have uh, Neil. Welcome. Thank you. And we also have uh, Neary, John Neary. Everyone calls me Neary. Yeah, so, so we'll just we'll keep it with that. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Good, glad to be good, here. Yeah, thanks good to for be coming. Here. <laughs> let's do this. So uh, let's uh, let's start off. Uh, Neil, what what do you do uh, right now for work? Um, I work at a company called Good Start Genetics. Um, I am in the informatics department now, so I work more on uh, the computer code and analytics behind the genetics. But uh, in college, I was uh, in more into the biological genetics, uh, so I do have a background in that as well. Nice. And Neri, what about you? Uh, I also used to work for Good Start, but just recently I uh, entered into a graduate program, so go me, for uh, genetic counseling, which is kind of related to the whole field of genetics, although I won't be doing much actual uh, analytical science anymore. I'll be in more of like a consulting role. Okay, cool. So So, so let's let's go more into what is genetic counseling? Sure. So to give you like a 30-second soundbite about it, it's really um, the idea that people can be at risk for genetic disorders, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily be affected by them. 
Okay. So what you're really doing is looking into the idea that, you know, they could be, for example, having children who may have a genetic disorder, but you wouldn't necessarily know that. Okay. Because they're healthy. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like, uh, right. well, it's just blind. You know, you, you wouldn't know. Yeah. So, I mean, really, um, the example I always give is cystic fibrosis, where both parents are perfectly healthy individuals, but they're both carrying a risk factor that when they have a child together, those two risk factors meet up, and the child has cystic fibrosis from birth until death. It's kind of like a condition you're born with, and mm. nowadays, and luckily, there's good treatment for that, but <clears throat> not all the conditions that you can test for are treatable. So kind of my role as a consultant would help people understand that whole kind of cycle of testing and... Hmm. what to do about it and what to worry about and what to not worry about. So. Well, it's kind of good we have that because, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty heavy thing to to find out. I mean, it's kind of like getting finding out you have an STD, you know, but this is a little bit different, obviously. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It could even be, like, considered more so because it's, it, yeah. it is, like, what you were born with and it is you and right. to come to grips with that. Sure. Um, but, you know, we, we definitely try to help them out with that and yeah. make sure that they can still live healthy, fulfilling lives. Yeah. It's awesome. That's awesome. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy shit. It really is. Uh, oh, and by the way, this is a explicit show, so feel free to swear. Um, I mean, we are drinking, so yes. that's, that's definitely true. one off the block there. But, um, no, DNA, I mean, I really don't know that much about it. That's why I wanted to have you guys on. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not going to... I mean, I went to school for aerospace, which is definitely a lot of stuff, but... You know, I this is part of the mission, and it's a huge thing going forward. And I have a lot of questions for you guys today. Um, but I think the most interesting thing from the United States side, from NASA side, is that we're we have the unique opportunity to test the DNA between identical twins, mm-hmm. which seems like it's really important. But I really wouldn't, I really don't know why. I mean, it makes sense because they're yeah. identical. I'm assuming the DNA's uh, uh, close. It's so, a good like, assumption. What's, What's so important about having identical twins? So, so really, when you look at an identical twin, they're you know half of this pair who share a lot of their genetic identity with each other. But it's important to realize that even though these two twins, Mark Kelly and what's his brother's name, Scott Kelly, who's up right now, who's up right now, yeah, Mark used to be he was a former astronaut and he's on the ground. Okay, so so between the two of them, Scott and Mark, you know, they started out. As very identical individuals, probably well, in the I mean, womb. Yeah, back in the womb, they were the same right. fertilized egg, and that's what an identical twin is. It's oh. like an, um, I mean, you could say an abnormality where it, instead of just splitting into several cells of the same person, when they split, they actually come apart, and then oh, they actually right. start forming their own two uh, embryos and then fetuses. Oh, that's crazy. So is that is that the people. same? Like, if there was identical triplets, it would be the same. Right. Yeah. It'd be even rarer. Yes. Right. Oh wow. And it's, you know, it's to be an identical triplet is that much rarer than to be an cool. identical twin. So really, they're starting life really as a single uh, cell. Really as a single wow. cell together. And then kind of just by chance, they split up and develop into their own two people kind of. So It's fucking crazy. It's very, it's very <laughs> weird to think about that people can have that kind of... And this is what you guys were learning as you were in school mm-hmm. and yeah, to as extent, you were developing yeah. as a human being and yeah, figuring I out mean, who you are as a person. Yeah, I mean, all <laughs> kinds of things that we, I think we all come to grips with. Yep. I, I am splitting a soul with my, my twin and that's mm-hmm. why we're psychic, like that kind yep. of thing. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. but the thing too is that, you know, like as these two twins get older, Mark and Scott, mm-hmm. um, you know environmental things are happening to them like things that happen to one twin and not the other like 
obviously they don't have the exact same life trajectory, even though that right. these two guys happen to be even rarer. Yeah, they both yeah. ended up to be NAS- astronauts, which is like I, the chances of that very, don't. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's truly bizarre. Actually. It's crazy. So they're a really valuable case study, definitely, mm-hmm. especially since we know so little about what happens to living organisms in space. I mm-hmm. mean, really, when you look at life on Earth, it's designed to be on Earth. So how does a living organism even survive in space? Right. These are questions that we just don't really have a good answer to in biology. So yep. this is I, what I kind of see is like really that first step into like a different kind of living situation for like a mammalian organism and so even though that they're just it's like one of the weaknesses of the study is that it's a basically a study size of one that doesn't tell well, you a it's lot it's funny about I, how yeah everyone... i was gonna ask that later but let's get into mm-hmm. it so what's how valuable is a test of of one not very mm-hmm. unless you're not mark or scott kelly okay so i like, guess valuable <laughs> for them but all like, right but if you're not, it's a good stepping stone. Yeah, yeah it's it, a good stepping right. stone. It, it definitely gives us some insight, but you can't uh, take what happens in this instance and then extrapolate it right. much okay. further. Yeah, you know, everybody's gonna have their own reaction to being in microgravity and yeah. exposed to radiation. Right. It's just you know. Yeah, and that's one of the like that's one of the struggles I have with trying to understand DNA, is that you know I definitely subscribe to the fact that, you know. Even though we, you know, all the all the stuff we have sure. is is based on averages. You know, the average sure, height, yeah. the average body size, the bad body mass index, they're all averages. And then we've got all these different types of human beings that are all really different. Right. And like you take the case with the the guy who had his three D printed, he had uh, cancer in his chest and sternum. They yeah. removed the ribs and part of the sternum and replaced it with a wow. customized That's incredible. titanium. Oh, sternum and rib. News recently. Yeah. yeah, I think I heard. Um, we talked about it in the last episode, um, and like they were saying, you know, everybody is different. So sure. it, yeah. having it to be customized is wonderful. It, yeah, it makes sense. So, like with DNA, is it does that make it even harder to compare each person? Like, are you guys kind of at the be- you guys are really at the beginning stages of understanding? Mm, like, yeah. right. and you guys have to take those averages. Am I in the right direction there? Yeah. So, I mean, the the ability to actually read DNA is not that uh, cool old of yeah. No. Well, I mean, it's not that old of a technology. It's right. only been around for you know since the late eighties, kind of, mm. um, and. At that time, you could only read one base pair at a time. You could read it really like ten, and right. you know it took we have we have yeah. millions and millions. Right. Like we, our DNA is large, and to, you know it's like trying to say that I've read the first page of a book and I know the what the <laughs> yeah. rest of the story. Uh, yeah, okay, that's, so, that's good. I like so that. like what we're doing now is we're just being able to read more and more, and that's what the progress has been over the last right. last uh-huh. you know twenty thirty years. And and now we're being able to take these bigger sample size where we can take you know we can take your blood and yeah. we can read the whole sequence and then we can compare that with you know a yeah. hundred other people and we can we're now starting to get this more general idea of what this code actually means. Right. We can read all of it, but we don't have the the physiological. Um, like response of what that code means. Right, right. Down. Well, I mean, we know we know a lot about well, that we didn't know before, but it's not nearly a complete yeah, picture. Sure. Yeah, right. Definitely, it's not right. a clear cut, one to one ratio. Like this does this, this does that. A lot of it is risks and associations mm-hmm. and kind of correlations. So, when you look at the study between these two astronauts, really what we're talking about is taking a really wide scale look at their entire genome. And really, I think the idea of this study is not really to find anything in particular, but just right. see if anything big happens. Right. 
and we'll be able to notice it for sure. Mm-hmm. And at one at the resolution of one guy, mm-hmm. like that's going to be like pretty interesting to look at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was looking a little more into studies because there's so much. I mean, even I mean, we're all in science, but some of these papers can be really dry. And not that they were, but uh, <laughs> you're you're reading some of the stuff, and really, I, I like to stick to the abstract because. One of the cool things I learned in school was that <laughs> the abstract is really if you're gonna read one thing, it's the abstract. Yeah, I mean, nice yeah, that's short what to the trying point. To get across. Yeah. <laughs> this is what the reason for this is. Uh, and one of the things they were trying to do was compare um, the gut flora between the two. Yeah, I actually um, think that's a really cool idea. Well that was yeah, so so how like is is that a really good place to start? Because I've I've learned a lot more about the gut flora and how important it is and right. I've actually learned of some new studies. I don't actually have the links, of course, don't take my word for it, but um, there's a new study that's starting to show that says there's actually three intelligence systems in your body. Sure. It's the new way of thinking that it's not just right. the brain, that it's mm-hmm. actually the gut, the brain, and the heart. They each have their own intelligence. Yeah. And it's how they explain that people who are in deep comas yeah. somehow reprogram their brain sure. to then come out of it. Yep. So with the gut, like how important, especially DNA-wise, how, <clears throat> how so valuable is that? Really, when you're talking about like a living organism, you're interacting with the environment every day. But inevitably, really, what happens is that you know, as a mammal, you're going to be colonized by, by bacteria that either can hurt you or help mm-hmm. you. As it turns out, the vast majority of bacteria that you come in contact with are things that are going to help you. Really, pathogenic mm-hmm. bacteria are usually really pretty rare examples. Things it's, that will kill it's actually, you. I think, a very interesting fact that. If you take your your body, you actually have more bacterial and other cells than your own cells. What? Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Look that For sure. they're, because they're a lot smaller and and, and oh, so they can they can yeah. be more numbers. Oh my god, that's crazy. So it's like there's like ten times more bacterial cells in yeah. what you think is oh you right god. now than your your actual own. And cells. I feel like a lot of people's natural reaction to that is to like take as many showers as they can. <laughs> but like you also, I like kind of think of it as like you know, if you're like a whale in the ocean, you mm-hmm. have like little other fish swimming around mm-hmm. you, kind of like sure. helping you out, picking the you know meat symbiotic out of your teeth. Relationship yeah, it's kind of like a symbiotic relationship. And, and some they of them, help you, you help them. Like, some of them are absolutely necessary like we wouldn't be able to digest some of the stuff that we right. do if we didn't have these right, right. along bacteria with mm-hmm. us. I remember when I was a kid they would always tell you that termites had bacteria in their gut that would help them digest cellulose maybe mm-hmm. I'm not maybe I'm the only person who heard mm-hmm. about that since I'm <laughs> well I'm, my mind went to how small are those things because termites well, like, are yeah. tiny like cows have uh, yeah. if you see like the baby cows when, mm-hmm. some of the, one of the first things they do is they go and they eat some poop from another oh so that they can get that really? bacteria. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like they, they need to get that bacteria. <laughs> the first thing, so the first thing a cow needs is like a base shit sandwich. It's oh like incredible. <laughs> but like that, it's so hard coded for them because they're really digesting like some pretty difficult material to handle. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's raw shit. plant matter. Like it's like not easy life. You know what I mean? Like no. you gotta have some indigestion if you just go into that. Well, so and like that's kind of the to... yeah, that's kind of the thing with life. It's like the harder you make yourself, the more you can withstand. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a limit, but. I mean, you see that with uh, some of the war-torn countries. I mean, I know with, uh, you know, personally, the only mm. experience I have with that is is being Greek. And, sure. you know, there's statistics out there that show, you know, especially people in the Mediterranean seem to live longer. And I think a lot of that is because they've had to live through a lot of crazy stuff. The Greeks especially were enslaved for over 400 years. That's true. You know, and they had to live very hardy lives. Not only did they basically burn down their own country to survive uh, against... Uh, the Nazis in the war, well, it was the Italians, but, um, you know, so it's very hardy people, so they have that built in because sure. they've lived that hard yeah. life. 
Now, there's other problems that come with that, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, you know, especially the the food aspect. You know, yeah, you're, you're always the, uh, you're always haven't eaten enough. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's that that crazy mentality of keep eating, but then you develop eating problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then and then you're always you're you're never in good shape. That's <laughs> I don't know. I'm Irish. I always have this funny thing. You know, it's like you never see Irish restaurants around. It's like you want to know why? <laughs> Irish food sucks. <laughs> Nobody wants to eat Irish food. It's terrible. It's just potatoes. Nobody wants to eat that. Anyways, my point is that you no, know, I like it. everyone's got their own cross to bear when it comes to yes. like ending background, definitely. Right. And I think it's pretty clear that people in the Mediterranean kind of like live a healthier lifestyle. Whatever they're mm-hmm. doing, I think that has been shown that maybe it's the diet or what, mm-hmm. what have you, but like it really works well, out. Well, especially considering the amount of cigarettes they consume. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. And then the yeah. cancer rates are so low, it's like, well, they got to be doing something. It's, be either, something it's either in their DNA yeah. or it's their lifestyle. You know, it's one or the other. And that actually, weirdly enough, brings me to the next point. It's like, with, with this stuff that they're doing, like, how much... How much can your DNA change by things that you do? Like, like how quickly can your DNA change? Uh, okay, I'm gonna right, feel right. this one to Neil. Yeah, all right. So, <laughs> so, like, when does your DNA start to change? Like, when can you? Like, could someone? Well, there are several yeah. several ways your DNA can change. Okay. Like the, the one that's most um, known for like genetic diseases and stuff is like actual variation of the code where you switch. You know, it's ACTG are the letters of your genetic code, and okay. you you have a certain sequence that makes a protein and when those letters changes and that protein no longer works okay so it's like so a that, series of on-off switches right. yeah, and uh, it's, yeah it's kind of like a kind chapter of? it's kind of like a chapter in a book where mm-hmm. it's like you know the okay. whole chapter is building up to one climactic sentence you know like he killed her and the dog but if you change the word dog to cat that really changes the whole scene okay all right all right you know no I mean? that's yeah interesting all right but um so that's that's when you that's what our company is mainly focused on looking for those you know single point mutations that can lead to these diseases, and we're we're really good at telling those things right yeah. now in in genetic science. But there's all these other variations that go on. So some one thing that I studied in in college was the epigenetic aspect, which mm. is more like histone modification, methylation, um, and it, it, what what epigenetics is is just there's other molecules that will attach onto the DNA mm-hmm. at different points, and that'll change when what you know enzymes can bind to that and. And in essence, will turn the gene on and off, mm. and so those ones can change a lot more easily, and, yeah. and more towards environmental factors like sure. you know microgravity or something. Right. Um, and it would be like a, a natural built-in process of the body to turn those on and off where necessary. Okay, right. So the the body kind of it, that's is that like the even further with a I mean because the body's pretty amazing how it can adapt. So mm. yeah, I mean, is the DNA like... kind of it's. <clears throat> rule book on how it adapts well you're really looking at like a i like to think of it as like a textbook right mm-hmm. you get a textbook the whole textbook is like how to build a person right mm-hmm. but when you look at the epigenetic modifications on top of that it's like yes there are individual chapters and the sentences are inked into the page like right. they're really not supposed to change they're there right. for a reason mm-hmm. but the epigenetic modifications are more like the post-it notes that your roommate is stuck in the book before you got it you know, to change a post-it note, mm-hmm. that really doesn't take much. Right. And if your post-it, you know, says, hey, ignore this vocab word, we're not getting tested on it this semester, mm-hmm. that's, like, not a big deal for you to just kind of be, like, ignore that vocab word. Okay. But if your whole book was missing the vocab section, that would be, like, a pretty bad thing. Like, you wouldn't be prepared for any of the tests. Right. In the same way, it's, like, an epigenetic modification is really kind of like this minor alteration. Mm-hmm. You're, like, changing the amount 
of protein that you're making. It's like right. modulating. It's not really deleting or it's not stopping anything. Oh, okay. So it's like turning the lever. Yeah. A it's more like a valve. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas, where, like, um, the, those point mutations that I was talking about before, mm -hmm. that's like, it changes the code and it usually right. doesn't go back. And that's oh, something that you're going to yeah. carry on and that you may pass on. Oh. That's how you get genetic diseases is that right. this code is changed and that's your, your hardware for right. running your your biological processes. Right, right. And so that, that can cause a lot of problems. But if a situation arises where, you know, you no longer need this certain protein, right. then your body can then adjust and, and put these markers on the DNA. It doesn't change the underlying code. So if you need that later, you can mm -hmm. bring it back. Okay. But, um, you know, it'll shut off that production for right. now. It's, you know, your yeah. body's smart. It knows when it needs things. You yeah. know, it just, it's efficient too. Mm -hmm. Your body's like an alternative vehicle and knows yeah. when to throw power to the back axle and right. when to like fucking load things up on the front. So like, you know, mm -hmm. there's like a lot of minor kind of like power system adjustments that mm -hmm. happen every day with people. And that kind of stuff is like really, really new science. Like we really don't know a lot about the way that those decisions are made yet, but right. there's a lot of really smart people throwing money, they're like money yes. at it. So. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, I think I've, I've heard, I mean, I listen to a lot of different podcasts um, and I've heard it brought up on a few different ones about kind of the stuff that's going on right now where I think there's, there's certain rats they've been able to turn on certain um, things that have actually doubled on, doubled their life. Oh yeah, sure. But you know things like that. Well, yeah, that was my question. All right, so what's the other side of that? Well, you know, as it turns out, <laughs> that people really aren't that close to mice and rats. So you can do a lot of things in mice and rats that you can't mm -hmm. do in people. Like, like people have cured cancer in mice, but the thing is, is like you know, mouse cancer isn't really like human cancer. So like, you can only learn so much about that situation. That's not to say it's not valuable science, because it definitely is. But, you know, there's definitely... You have to have an element of skepticism when you read these reports that say, mm -hmm. we might have, like, a mouse is psychic. Holy fuck. Like, it's <laughs> two years from now, we're all going to be psychic. It's like, those kinds of right. bold claims always get reported, but, you know, they mm -hmm. always, you know, gloss over the technical I like aspects. to call those the dailies. Yeah, the dailies. Yeah, yeah those are the dailies. I, I, I got stuck in that rut when I first started this, where I was focusing on the dailies too much, because they were... Constantly yeah. there, yeah. but it's like, oh, it's, you, you, well, after a while, you're just like, I can't, yeah, exactly. I can't anymore. Right. It's always around the corner, you know, like the life changing innovation. Right. And I think to some extent, it's like, you know, that's the business of media, right? They they yeah. got to bring in their dollars too, and I'm if not, that means they have to overrepresent what happens yep. in genetics, they'll do it. So, yep, it's really what you have to be aware of. So let, let's go to the next part, which um, let's let's talk a little bit more about the actual Ooh. science that's happening. So with the with the twin study. Sure. We've got there's four specifics. There's the human physiology aspect, mm -hmm. um, where they're going to be testing testing uh, people the human response. They did mm -hmm. it before. They're doing it while they're on the station, and then they'll do it after they land. Um, the behavioral health, obviously. I yep. mean, if you even take a few seconds to think about it, mm -hmm. being confined in a place like that for a long time, never mind a year. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to do some stuff. Yeah, I mean, the definitely. Mars 500 mission, uh, which was done in Moscow. Um, it was an international thing. Right. They had these guys locked just in a like room. Camp out in a dungeon, right? Yeah, like, to test yeah. how long they could survive. And they came out. They were all curmudgeons. They, they were like totally, totally introverts yeah. at the end. Yeah, just <laughs> complete. Their behavior just completely reversed. And it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then the the last two were really, I guess, what, what you guys could probably talk on, or we could at least bullshit about. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, the microbiology and the microbiome, where uh, 
uh, that one was talking about the metagenomic sequencing of the microbiome uh, in the GI tract of the sure, twins. So yeah. that's I think we yeah I think we were heading that direction that before now. we kind of like cartwheeled off into this no thing. but that's that's <laughs> podcasting <laughs> so um, I mean is there a way to make that sound like easier because I'm oh, blown yeah. away by the that title like that's so half too of much. good science is hiding what you really mean through both <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so so when they're talking about like, fancy words me- yeah exactly yeah. so when they're talking about metagenomics mm-hmm. what, what they're really talking about is the collection of genomes okay right so and you are one human you have right. one genome when you have bacterial okay. flora it's like that's comprised of many different bacterial species so there's mm-hmm. many different genomes oh, okay. all working together so when they say metagenome mm-hmm. what they're really talking about is what genomes are present mm-hmm. what do they look like how do they interact you know these kinds of questions and then in the context of the microbiome of your intestinal tract right the idea clearly is that microgravity is going to have some kind of possibly deleterious effect mm-hmm. on the bacterial colonies in your intestinal tract, which sure. are probably not used to living in microgravity. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. The, the different things that happen to the human body when there's no gravity anymore. Yeah. Uh, it makes you think like how essential gravity is to yeah. like, our existence. I was thinking about I mean, a little bit like, today before we yeah. came on the show. I was confused about you live with gravity your whole life. No. Yeah. You know, it's no. just like it's always, it's always <laughs> there for you, right? <laughs> it's always there for you. And like the big thing for them is the fluid shifts. I think that's the major yeah. thing they found yeah. out. I actually think that's a major concern moving. because yeah. when you think about people on Earth today, like glaucoma, which is a disease where you know fluid pressure in your eyes will build up and eventually blind you. That, that mm-hmm. happens all the time to people. It's actually like a very common problem to have your eyesight. In space where you have nothing to keep that fluid from rising your head, mm-hmm. I really kind of fear for their eyesight because I wonder if maybe... Well, yeah. If, you know, the pro- maybe we don't know this, but maybe if you spend more than two years at a time in space, your eyeballs just fucking go out, man. Like, <laughs> Well, that was the first, when we first <laughs> no. were going into space, people were worried that your yeah. eyeballs would float out of their sockets. Yeah. That was a legit concern before we, <laughs> but luckily it's not the case. But I mean, there's like but. a lot of places in your body that depend on like the atmospheric pressure of, mm-hmm. you know, all the atmosphere above you. And so when you kind of don't keep yourself pressurized or sure. in that gravitational environment, like... Mm-hmm. In Mars, obviously, I would hope that we have good pressurized habitats, but like yeah. even the like reduced gravity there yeah, might lead to like a well, long-term problem. I like, mean, this isn't this is the physiological changes. We've already seen some of them. Like mm-hmm. there's muscle atrophy, which is like a constant thing for yep. astronauts. Bone density loss. Keep, right. Yeah, bone density loss. Yep. Cardiovascular health goes down because yep. you Doesn't don't have to, push have to pump hard. up against right. the pressure, exactly. like the gravity. Like there, there are a bunch of you know detrimental effects that we've already mm-hmm. cataloged well, yeah, I, and I the ocular health the ocular yeah. structure actually breaks down that's what they're they're seeing so the, the that's actual not surprising st- to me at yeah all. The, the structure like mm. it, like is breaking down like that's that just blows me away so it's like when you think down the road like like how how are we going to deal with that well it's, i mean i crazy. look at the old I, mean, I think about this and it's like you got to look back to the old diagrams that like freeman dyson build where you have like these huge spiraling ring structures you mm. basically have to cheat and make your own gravity otherwise there's no real way and that's to stay yep. out there for more than a couple of months mm-hmm. without like really damaging your system mm-hmm. a lot of space enthusiasts uh, that's <clears> one of the things they they really push i mean we we've seen a bunch of examples in sci-fi i mean if if you pay attention to any kind of sci-fi you've seen a bunch of examples of it right. um it's just the hardest part with that is you either need to build it in orbit, yeah. launch a whole bunch of times and sure. build something in orbit, or you need to build in space, yeah. which is a whole I mean, other thing. It's never been done, right? Yeah. So. I think three, I really think 3D printing could, could do something. launch it up and 
than just spin it afterwards, right? You could. Um, but it's just so heavy, man. Like you're building a huge. The other thing, I think you right? need. I think there's more to it too. I think you need. Um, I think from the designs I've seen that are the most realistic. Yeah. If you can even say that, um, like you go into this room that's at the end of an arm that's spinning around the entire thing. Oh, and you, and like, you just sleep sleep there. And you, you sit like, there, and you that's the gravity. Right, yeah. right. That was one of the... It was a documentary on... It was an episode we did in the past about sex in space. Oh, sure. And about... <laughs> of course, right? Yeah, obviously. Uh, I mean, that's, that's number one concern. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's... So let's get into it. It's sex in space. So one of the things they were talking about was that fish were able to populate... Uh, the eggs, the eggs grew up, and the fish were fine. Sure. In as soon as they went to mammals, they became an issue. They, they, they did uh-huh. rats. The Russians did this on the the their space stations, and what they found out was that there were a ton of developmental issues. I'm um, not surprised. Yep, yeah. structural stuff, muscular stuff, um, weird things like uh, rats are supposed to spin off their back if they're put on their back. Mm-hmm. The mice that the rats that grew up in space didn't have that. Huh. So weird little sense. things like that. Right? If they well, don't know so what the idea is, is born, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's well. A that's lot great. of a lot of what you think of like a developing fetus, it's really actually important that the fetus is free to move and rotate while they're developing. You know, it's not like a you know a car where you weld the pieces into place and say right. like Fred's good, like pop him out. <laughs> it's like you know it's really important that as the child is like developing its arms and limbs that it's able mm-hmm. to freely move these and flex mm. these joints as they kind of like arise because otherwise you'll see these problems where the hands, for example, are crushed up against the mom's organs. Mm. If those hands never move while the baby is growing those hands will never have a full range of motion. It takes a lot of surgery to fix mm. that kind of problem because the joints never really got to explore the full design, right. like the full range that they had hmm. kind of initially planned for, right? But anyways, if the rats are born in zero gravity, they have no reason to do shit because like, they don't know which direction is up. Like the, right. All of those very complicated sensors that a rat would be born with to determine in the dark never which way is which... Right. They would just never have any reason to use those systems, and they would right. crash out of the whole organism. And then you would get mm-hmm. a rat that doesn't know which direction is up, and frankly, probably doesn't care because it's been, <laughs> you know what I mean. Right. <laughs> so like, like, why would it bother? Like, right. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. It's it's interesting because you know one of the things that when I was doing the research, the one of the things they said is as long as uh, it's in the developmental phase, as soon as the fetus drops, that's when they believe that that's when the gravity comes into play so that's where they showed the arm the the gravity Mm -hmm. you know fake gravity thing where as long as a mother could um have the baby in that gravity thing then then hopefully it would develop the the i think it would be more than just like needing to be there in at birth they she would need to be in there during oh no yeah it would be the the entire well i really disagree because i think that any element of like abnormal fluid um, movement in like the amniotic sac, mm-hmm. even during conception, if you have any kind of atypical fluid, it's really common for even normal pregnancies to have issues where like the egg didn't transfer all the way down into the womb. Like mm-hmm. this happens in no- a normal gravity environment. I really don't see it, like virtually any successful conceptions in space ever. Hmm. So you're what you're saying That's here is that space is the ultimate uh, birth control. <laughs> <laughs> it's not meant for humans. Maybe we can visit there, right? Want to go take a ride on my rocket? 
Don't worry. It's safe. <laughs> it's safe. We don't have to wear a condom. Like, there's nothing oh that's going to happen. So, like, I, you know, I think that, you know, they're, they're, you know, that's a strong consideration. Is that, like, I don't think that don't, you're ever... Don't quote us on this. You heard it here, folks. I'm willing to, I'm willing to bet that there are going to be, like, no space pregnancies. Like, I'm willing uh, to put money on it. Um, I don't know. I disagree. I, I think, I think that uh, reproduction is the essential thing for for life like that's the one thing that most life has in common okay to 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 propagate like that's you know well actually let's every 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 organism that exists today is is a product of reproduction um i think they they were developed in space it's a good question. I, I'm not actually sure because I just watched the documentary. Because I'll, I'll back uh, off of my claims if those rats actually con- were conceived in space and developed and were hmm. born. So I, I guess I'm, more dangerous. I just think that, that our reproductive system has probably seen more shocks over the whole evolution know, of just, it. Than, just, why, you know, would you, why would you it select? It just for wouldn't like, even work in space. Yeah, but it's like, why would you select for gravity-proof conception if you've never seen a gravity-free environment? You know, you've never seen a microgravity environment. Why would you? I'm not saying that it wouldn't. I guess my point is that like it's possible, sure, right. but like I don't think but it would not be likely. good or yeah. efficient right. or right. no. Right. Right. I'll grant that. Yeah. Yeah, this this is that's what happens. <laughs> you boil down all the little things. But anyways, you know. I guess I guess my other point too though is that like you know I don't think that ladies should be conceiving in space. Like I don't think that's a good idea mm-hmm. for them. Well, and that's um, to go further on that. I looked a little bit further, and it, it seemed like the the right thing to do if if we have people on Mars and, and on different planets, just sure. different. The idea is to be born on Earth and then go somewhere else because sure. the idea is if you live on earth in the earth's gravity and you go somewhere where there's less mm-hmm. then your body knows to go back but if you never knew where to go back to like if, if you grew up on mars sure yeah 38 percent of earth's gravity and you went to earth sure almost three times that like, your body's going to just fall apart. Very good. Well, I don't want to... <laughs> your bones no, are going to break. Well, yeah, I don't want to rain on this parade, but, it, you yeah. know, it's very... It might it might be possible to not be able to develop on Mars. Okay, explain that more. I mean, when you look at the gravity complement on Earth, it's extremely mm-hmm. consistent. You need negative 9.8 meters per second acceleration. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yep. But... It's meters per second, yeah. Meters per metrics, second. Metrics, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did fail physics twice. <laughs> For all Sorry, you listeners a, out there. This is a failed class friendly zone. You're fine. <laughs> I regret nothing. Anyways. You learned from your mistakes. I learned so much from them. Uh, you, know, you know acceleration of gravity. So that's yes, good. I, that's, that's, one, good. that's, that's one number that stuck with me. Uh, but anyways, the point I'm trying to say is that, you, like, even on Earth, if children don't have a freedom to move and kind of explore their... No, "Quote unquote normal gravity environment," mm-hmm. you see a tons of tons and tons of developmental mm-hmm. problems. Well, it's kind of what we see today with kids who don't go out; they play video right. games. Exactly. And, yeah, it's that's I like. I, I, I mean, agree that's with a, that. I mean, to some extent, we're not sure. Maybe I mean, I don't think that sitting in dark basements all the time is really good for like a <laughs> human being that probably evolved on like a savanna under the African sun. Like those mm-hmm. kind of environments are like pretty not the same. So, like, I'm yeah. not surprised that there are like some problems associated with that, right. but. 
I'm not, you know, I don't think that we should even assume that a sustaining human colony could be even built on Mars. Mm. Because we frankly just don't understand what a reduced gra- like gravity environment would do to a living organism. Even one that yeah. was smart enough Over to account for problems. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something that's, that's really the, the biggest thing that's holding people back is that, like, do we really want to put a human being through that, like... Is it is it worth well, it? Well, I always think of Avatar, believe it or not, like Quaritch in the bench press, like bench in six fifty. Like I think adults would be mm-hmm. able to maybe maintain a level of physical okay. fitness, but mm-hmm. I just don't know how you develop as a human develop being. as a human. Like you yeah. know, your growth yeah. plates are really dependent on like a certain set of biological scenarios, mm-hmm. and like if you throw them into this environment that they're not prepared to deal with, I really don't know what would happen. You might get people who don't develop; they're just right. real short. I don't know. Could be anything. Well, do you think do you think that the human body would be able to adapt to that, or do you think it's such a shock to the system that it it, it wouldn't know? You mean well, adapt as as an adult, or da- like uh, adapt developmentally? As a, do you think it would be able to almost well, become about the a different species? Well, if like, you're talking that... about like the evolution of the human race to adapt yeah. to Mars, which yeah. I think people have brought up before, yeah, which is kind of where we're going with this. Where we're going with this. <laughs> You know, evolution is a mighty tool, but it moves mm-hmm. slowly. It would yes. take extre- an extremely long time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, just to go on that point, a lot of people misuse that, and it, it doesn't infuriate me, but it's, it's like, it's like you, you can't even have a conversation with them at that point because they just they want to believe what they want yeah, to believe. Yeah. And it's like, it's like evolution, and it's like that's the thing with, with people getting upset about evolution. It's like... It's not. Uh, it's not crazy. It, it's and it because if it was something that was like, in three generations you're going to evolve to be a different. You know, yeah, you're going yeah. to be looking. It's like no. It, it's, it's millions of years. Yeah, the scale. Hundreds of thousands of years. Well, I think it really just goes to the general human ability to not be able to deal with huge scales mm. of anything. Frankly, sure. So oh, like, it's you, not. It's it's just when you think about really what, small what we were a hundred years yeah, ago, exactly. two hundred years ago. Why would we need to know that? I, you know, the other example I like to bring up is, like, you know, there are people out there who see social trends, and they extrapolate like it's on a straight line. Yes. Mm. Yes. You know? Yeah. In 20 years, men are going to be enslaved <laughs> and kept in cages. Yep. Because, you know, women have seen such an increased, like, social role. Right. It's like they're extrapolating like it's a straight line that will go to infinity. <clears throat> yeah, like it's constant. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I actually got a good example of that that pertains to your genetics. There was a study that came out a while ago about the Y chromosome that uh, was sure. going to disappear. Yeah. And it's, like, it's like they did that same <laughs> exact thing. They looked at, like, a million years ago and then, like, today, and they're like, oh, look, oh, it's going to go, like, it's going to disappear. The line is going to go under zero. Yeah. And then, and then somebody's <laughs> like, wait a minute, let me check that again. Again, it's, it's more like it's it comes down like a curve, right. like a, you know what is it? Uh, uh, an exponential inverse, uh, inverse yeah, decay, curve, exactly. yeah, inverse decay. curve. Yeah, there, I actually yeah. learned about this just recently in grad school. There's like 50 genes in the Y chromosome. It is like the bare minimum necessary yeah. to get the job done. Mm. That's really what it's there for. Mm-hmm. Just just do enough mm. to like shift you over into an alternate mode, kind of. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's uh, and the, I think that's. The reason, like, we're okay with that when we hear statistics and stuff like that, that we're just like, oh, okay, <laughs> is because we've failed so many times at statistics, and we've had, like, science in general is hard. It's not easy. You know, uh, genetics, not easy. No, people have Rocket made science, many not easy, right? along the way. Yeah. So it's like, it's like we're used to the failure of it. So it's like when we hear stuff like that, we're like, okay. 
all right, let's <laughs> let's dig into this. What are you are you yeah. really saying that? Like you got to be kidding me. So, and I think a lot of people they're they've never had that experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I was lucky enough in high school to have a great stats teacher. Um, explained it fantastically to sure. us and was way over the top with a lot of things, but that helped sell the point cuz sure. statistics is dry. You know, it's yeah. not it's not easy, but if you use it the right way, it's super powerful. I mean, marketing is completely yeah. statistical. Oh, sure. Um, the we, we've got the that, fantasy yeah. football. It's all statistics. FanDuel. FanDuel. <laughs> Which I'm I'm not plugging for them, but I feel like I've no, seen we're not that commercial. <laughs> it's possibly it's eight thousand so times in the last two weeks, and I feel like if I don't say it, it's my Dungeons and Dragons for football. <laughs> it's Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> it's what it is. It's Bunch what of it football is. nerds talking about elves and stuff. Like, yeah. You know, Man, that's so funny though. It, and they always catch the same guy who won like two million dollars. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the I same won $2 guy, right? Dollars on FanDuel. Oh my god! If Man, you join our site. This is good <laughs> you. I keep telling you, tell how many people lost? I keep telling you that I'm going to join FanDuel, and she's oh, yeah. just like, not my house. No, <laughs> <laughs> not my house. She doesn't dude. want that. No. She doesn't want that. <laughs> the woman that knows what she wants. <laughs> but back to Mars. Back to the point. Back to Mars. Adapt. So, but there's a fun idea out there that now there's a really interesting kind of copy-paste tool for genetics mm-hmm. called CRISPR, which I don't know if you were planning to get into. No, let's get into it. I've heard. All right. This I've is, heard of CRISPR, but explain the, it to the folks listening. CRISPR is the hot girl of the prom right now. Everyone wants to see her and talk to her and the scientific community. <laughs> let's make that clear. Uh, <laughs> she is she's the belle of the ball right now. So really what it is is a really easy way to replace any sequence in a genome with a sequence that you think would be fun to put in there. Mm. Kind of like... Uh, <laughs> genetic engineering. Yeah, genetic okay. engineering. There we go. A lot of people <laughs> who are responsible and have jobs in genetics probably put a little more thought into it. But since they don't let me into the CRISPR labs, <laughs> I, can probably for good reasons. <laughs> I can say things like this. So, actually, it's actually... Um, there's been a huge international council, actually, to limit the use of CRISPR because it's such a powerful tool that people are worried that... Uh, not mad scientists per se, but maybe people who overestimate their ability to understand genetics will kind of jump in there and start fucking around with stuff. And well, if enough money goes, yeah. it's definitely gonna happen. I mean, mm. that's I, I, that's I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't really know how to bring it up because I don't know enough about it. So I'm glad you did. Like, it is definitely something you gotta pay attention to. Yeah. Well, you know, I it's really a powerful tool, and it's it's almost like if the you know the human genome was a car. Mm-hmm. And you gave the kid, like, like I don't even know, like an acetylene torch and told him to just do what he wanted and, like, let him into the engine. It's like, he could do a lot of damage if he doesn't yeah. plan this out right. So, like, well, that's kind of where we're what at. We learned, like, we don't wanna... What Neil brought up earlier is some of these things, once they're turned off, they're off. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, so, yeah. So, with this CRISPR stuff, if they do some crazy stuff... Yeah, if they stuff, change the hard, like, the actual genetic code, they could... Do some real yeah. damage to, well, th- to or just I mean, and also you you can you can because it's a biological process. If you change an organism and right. that organism is still functional, mm. it can go out and make more of those organisms. Right, right. and then so that's really then the, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> that's really the whole fear is actually that will contaminate the human gene mm. um, pool mm. really with an artificial variant of our own creation that may turn out to be very bad to have. Mm. And, you know, that is 
potentially fixable, but it's also like now we're getting into this kind of very bad danger zone where we're getting into genetics problems of our own making and the only cure is to do more of the bad thing that <laughs> created it in the first place. So like yep. there's a real concern a actually. Circle. And there was actually a huge uproar recently because in China it was reported that a team of Chinese scientists had actually used CRISPR to modify a human embryo. This now, is this is reported where where was it reported? They, I just, they, I just, I, just, I, I, I just don't remember. Really it was a yeah. Chinese study, but the, okay. what they did is they didn't actually like bring it to term. All they did was they proved that they could fix one of those single nucleoid, like this embryo right. had uh, basically the oh, right. cystic so, so, fibrosis. So, right, and they, so they were using, they um, and then they were like, okay, we coded right. it, we showed that we fixed it, and then mm-hmm. they destroyed it. Um, okay, so and it, so because I I kind of heard about this. Let me just mm-hmm. bring it back. So what they were doing is is medically they were working on embryos that were basically you like you're not going to use this embryo it's right. not going to become a baby so well, that's why it was okay to use right I mean I don't know yes. what where ethically they, I don't know where they got the eggs Oh I'm not I, I'm just I, saying yeah. I'm just saying so, scientifically so these, these, that's these, where ethically these the were, line was These were these were not even beyond that these were eggs that would not have been viable like, okay. Even if you had oh, tried to bring it in, and that's what I heard. Okay, I just want to so bring they, that up to they, everybody. <laughs> all they did was they proved that they could take these eggs that yeah. would not have survived mm-hmm. and change the genetic code and fix what was wrong. Hopefully, right. maybe. Hopefully. Right. So, so they proved that they changed right. the code, and that's mm-hmm. all they said. Now, right. the implications there, what, what they're implying is that then you could implant this egg and have a healthy child from it. They right. didn't take it that far, though. right? Which would be crazy if they did. Yeah. But yeah, so. You know, we're starting to get into these things. You know, you know when mm-hmm. scientists are scared when they call these kind of international councils. I'm kind of reminded yeah. of when yeah. the atom bomb was created, and all the physicists all over the world were kind of like, "Whoa, what just, very good analogy. <laughs> what like did we just point. do? Like, this yeah. is going to need a lot of thought before right. we start to develop anything close to like another weapon like this." Mm-hmm. So, like, I think we're kind of reaching one of those scenarios mm-hmm. where the human race has to like get our experts in there and kind of mm-hmm. like evaluate the situation. And think about it, and evaluate it, and think about it some more. Tell dumbasses like us, basically, <laughs> what's good and what's not good, because I, I sure as shit don't know. Right. And then once they think that everything's clear, they'll mm-hmm. like maybe let us go on, or maybe not. Right. So, like, well, yeah, that's their worst nightmare, having some 20-something come in and tell them what to do. Really, so. that's the fear, because, you know, it's, it's not, it's really, the process is not that difficult to actually do correctly. And, yeah, and that's, I think that's the most terrifying idea of it yeah you know is that it's not you know i mean i don't know about you guys but when you when you start learning about some of this stuff in school like with Mm. me with the aerospace you guys the genetics Mm. i've definitely had some nightmares where i've woken up (laughs) and and had some somewhere you have to talk to somebody who's also in science and be like so I had this idea. It's not that I'm. Yeah. It's, that it's, happen, it's more right? of a nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's more of a like, nightmare. This can't really I'm happen, pretty right? sure and I then, could do this, and then that kind of scares me. It's like I don't think you. Oh, should. not even not even that I was gonna do it. Just it could happen. It that, could happen. It's like, and then your friend goes, "Yeah, it could. <laughs> yeah, but it probably won't." Okay, all right, all right, no, good. No, I think we're okay. We're good. And that's it's kind of it's a weird point you get when you get into the sciences, and I don't think it's something a lot of people bring up that. Uh, you're learning some pretty crazy stuff. You're learning yeah. how the world works, how... That knowledge is power, man. It is power, and then if you're not 
what's the right word? A psychopath. Um, <laughs> you worry about these and things. And sometimes you have to convince yourself repeatedly that you aren't a psychopath <laughs> once you start thinking about these things. But the fact that you can think that means you're probably not a psychopath. <laughs> so, so there's hope. Well, that's, you know, that's always the fear is like, you know, some crazy guy in his basement will build like a functioning nuclear weapon, right? right? But it's kind of self-selecting because if you're crazy enough to think that that's a good idea, mm. you're probably also too crazy to actually go through with it, right? There is that. Yeah. There is that, yeah. Yeah. It's so, almost like, you know, um, how they catch most people in terrorist acts. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. They're, they're real nervous and they're, yeah. they're freaking out and that's that's actually the most successful. I mean, granted, don't take my word for it. Don't quote me, but that's <laughs> what I've heard is the most successful thing that they do is they catch people who are just... They know it's wrong, and or they're worried it's not going to work, and that's how they catch them, you know? Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, um, well, I was just thinking about, like, it's still maybe the most reliable thing to do is interview people on flights, right? I mean, yeah. this just kind of yeah, goes to the face-to-face, yeah. Face, yeah. Face-to-face interviews are still very valuable to do if you're There's really There's a country nervous. that still does that. Israel, Israel, yeah. Israel, Israel does that. Every right. time you get on a plane there, yeah. they stop you, they spend, like... Two to three minutes talking to you, asking you where you're from, mm-hmm. where you're going, yeah. and like how your day is, and, and now it's just to see if you if you're starting to yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. Well, I mean, now more than ever. I mean, back in the day, you could think, all right, maybe someone's good enough to kind of, you know, get their story straight. But mm-hmm. now with all the technology and all the stuff, I'm sorry, but people's reactions are so much more blatant. Like mm-hmm. you've got people who just you can tell they don't want to talk to somebody. Or, right. I mean, you casinos know. have these cameras now that they well, they can funny. just tell people are cheating by yeah. the, their you know the facial yeah. you know not just the expressions but their face right. like they'll yeah. read the infrared of their face mm-hmm. yeah. and like it'll get warmer and yeah. like their twitch or something. Well, I just <laughs> think that man, let's. I mean, I really think the best. I mean, at the end of the day, it's these machines will feed their results back to mm-hmm. who human operators right? right you just can't replace three billion years of evolution we're still humans are still the best interpreters mm-hmm. of human behavior you know what i mean so yeah. again this kind of goes back to the idea you shouldn't play around the hood of a car that you don't understand how it works you right. know what i mean like we really don't know a lot about how human genome works right now mm-hmm. it's a very valuable car yes <laughs> don't fuck around with it just right yet. you know what i mean like you really gotta know where things are before you get mm-hmm. in there with your you know crisper torch crisper <laughs> <silver> torch <laughs> It's it's uh it's funny. I mean, it's, I'm glad you brought it up. Let's bring it back to space. I mean, it's one of the things. It's the trade-off with sending robots versus humans. Where robots are great because the risk mm. is very low. Sure. Um, the cost, even though monetarily it's still up there, the cost overall, with all things considered, is less because you don't lose oh, human sure, life, yeah. right? Well, and, and morale. Just trying to have support and, the human. Yeah, life. exactly. Right. It's so expensive. Right. Food, water, yeah. air. Mm-hmm. I, re- I mean, I really think it's a fool's errand, basically, to send living people across the stars. Well, you know here's I mean? here's like, the argument uh, for it is, just like you said, the human yeah. being is still so much more advanced where, like, I-, I make this argument, I've heard it said before, if we sent, you know, we've got Curiosity, which is doing wonderful things on sure, Mars, yeah. fantastic things, but if we sent a geologist, he would have gotten all that stuff done in, in like a, in in like a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, and we would get more done, so it's, it's like, all right. So, do we send more robotic missions to counteract that? Yeah. Do we do we spend the time and energy to try and figure out how to get humans there? So it's like, 
at what point, yeah. it, you know, it's that weird balancing act of what's the right thing to do. I mean, we're going to send people there regardless of the science. I mean, yes. I just want to go. Like, oh, as yeah. soon as I, I get a chance. And, and that's the important part. Like, it's like, people yeah. it's, people uh, are going to die in space. Yeah. Yes. I think we so should get it happen. out of the way right yeah. now. I it's think hard. People, I mean, it's going to be really hard to do when people are going to get exploded or whatever. And then mm-hmm. I think that everyone is going to freak out about it. But the fact is, like... Think about the first time somebody tried to sail across the Atlantic Ocean. Everyone always talks about like the guys who made it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's like you don't. There was you know, a bunch who didn't. Nobody, <laughs> nobody ever talks about Giuseppe in 1444 who like got the boys together and like who knows what happened to them, man. Like you don't. Yeah. You just don't talk about those guys. So like I. You, yeah, you just I agree. Be prepared. I agree, and I, I think. Um, <clears throat> It's it's one of those things where I don't know, I'm forgetting my thought actually. Um, <laughs> it just it was just going off of that that with with space travel, we we send humans because it makes sense. But with NASA and the way it's funded, because it's a federal mm. thing, they can't just accept money, right. right? So so with them, they having a tragedy where they lose humans brings everybody to the table. It brings yeah. all the press. It brings all the people there that have never been paying attention to it but now they do yeah, that's and sad. then it's it is sad and it's they, it's a position they're in tragedy in order to get the attention that they it's unfortunate deserve. it's a joke in the you know in just space science it's like that's when we get the most i mean granted things like pluto that just happened yeah and, sure and uh I, I just trying to get people to talk more about it i think yeah. helps but with with that it's like they have to balance that because yeah. their whole thing is is based on the people that the is based on the concept that people are giving them money through taxes yeah. to do it. So if they decide to pull the funding, then they can't do missions. So they have to play this balancing act, you well, know, to to maintain the. You quo. know, I, I wonder if it's got to be like a. You know, when you look back at the space race between us, it's like we went to space, but we really did it to like. Say fuck you to those Russians. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really that's the really only the reason. Real, that's like we the didn't real... really want to go to the moon. We just wanted to beat the Russians. <laughs> but it's like you know, like you know, for whatever reason, it seems like the you know the public at large is just not interested in funding these missions unless it's like specifically to yeah. fuck over some other people. Well, that they I, don't I, like. I, I've said this for a while. I think as soon as another country actually puts somebody in space, all of a sudden it's going to reignite. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden we're going to be like, oh wait, we need to be, beat them to Mars. Well, here's and the next thing. Here's the next thing: the mining in space, bringing resources oh, I back. I think that's a really interesting idea. I do too. Now it does bring back. I don't remember who the author was. I want to say, uh, no, I'm not going to even say it because I'm just going to be wrong. But uh, wrote a story about how aliens that were um, basically planet devouring, they would devour entire just planets like and civilizations. And they were coming to Earth, and we were terrified. So you're talking about Independence Day, (laughs) (laughs) basically. Um, But the idea is that, like, we're, I guess, the whole idea behind that. Again, I haven't read it, so I'm just doing somebody else's words. This is what the show is about. Uh, (laughs) So it's the idea that we were actually scared of what we think we would become. Oh, so yeah, this sure. is kind of a step no, in that direction. Very natural, you know, I'm just I mean, playing devil's advocate. I don't believe I'm that. Not a Survival of the fittest on the galactic scale. Well, you know, this is, like always, <laughs> this is this is one of those things that like this is one of those thoughts that keep me up at night when I should be sleeping. And it's just like you know, like what if the galaxy is quiet because it's bad to yell? 
Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. You think we've been pumping out these radio signals for a hundred years now? Like, uh, like maybe nobody else is because yeah. that's a bad idea. For all we know, we just dipped into the wrong end of the pool, They're man. probably like, why are they, why would they shut up? Shut, 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 shut up! Shut up! Shut up! I, you know, that's my, that's like, really my that's, dark, fe- my dark wow. fear is that it's not good to yell. <laughs> oh, it's not good to yell in space. So, so Voyager, not a good idea? Maybe not. Telling them where we are, direct location, you know, what I, we are, <laughs> what we sound like, you know, it's not a good idea. Like, you know, like, this, this nightmare <laughs> always... We just told them out of Oh my god! This nightmare always starts with, like, the alien listening to the Beatles and being right. like, food is that way. <laughs> 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 Oh my god! Uh, yeah, so like you know, maybe it's maybe it's not a good thing. I don't know. No, that's you know, unfortunately, I may be thinking about that tonight. Um, <laughs> but you know, the good news, I guess, is that we'll probably be long dead before. Well, and that, that's the other thing too. Is like Who it's knows? like the amount of time that it would take to travel. Then it's like would would another species even think it's even necessary? Yeah, you know, that's it's the like, other thing too. It's like oh look, there some, are plenty of planets oh. out there that don't have life on them that you can harvest. It seems like it's a pretty empty playing field from what we've seen so far. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess there is that kind of Halo esque fear though that you know maybe they're religious zealots and they need to destroy <laughs> us for like their own edification. But you know that's another entire scenario. So. Yes, yes, which I enjoy playing. Those games, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, all right, so bring it back to one. Other, so we'll go into the really crazy concept, futuristic kind of stuff, uh, now that we're here. So do you think down the road, I kind of had this idea, like, if we really start traveling through space and we start bridging past and, and, and going towards what we can't really be, we're not supposed to be, yeah, I mean, sure. it's space in general, we're not supposed to be there, but mm-hmm. we build crafts that bring us there. Do you think it's possible to genetic, genetically engineer, like, certain types of of people for certain jobs like oh, yeah. you genetically engineer an engineer and you genetically engineer a medic or a <clears throat> pilot you think that's but I possible? think that but I think that there's been a really strong example set in modern times that that kind of behavior is no longer acceptable because when you look at human Sorry. history there's been attempts made for that yes, kind of has. behavior yeah. and you know th- <laughs> unfortunately you know, unfortunately you know I think that that kind of like careless um purpose giving is like no longer allowed. I think that I mean yeah. but there are examples of it in the natural world. Look at like any insect colony. That's termites true. ants. That's true. Mm. And you, but, know, but, you know sometimes it's it can be more effective to have specialization. I'm not yeah, saying that specialization is wrong, but I, I think, think it would make a good video game. Let's put it that way. Well, I think it would make yeah. a really good video game. Sure. <laughs> Where you could pick your own, you know, uh, race basically engineer yeah, sure. you know it would make a great mm-hmm. video game but in real life I mean so it's it's possible whether it would be it's yeah. possible but whether yeah. we would accept it as a society right so that's the yeah. question which but is, you never know because you know you, you look at fictional societies that have occurred in kind of a galaxy type environment like mm-hmm. Dune or whatever it's like you see Dune it's like a very advanced society but culturally they seem to have regressed somewhat, maybe. Uh, it's unclear as to, like, what the level of social and control that people are willing to accept. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess it's, you know, it's hard to say what future people will think about things, and 
just like we were talking about before about how like you know people see social trends and extrapolate them out yes into infinity mm-hmm. for all yes. we know we're kind of like right on the tippy top of like social fairness and it's all downhill from here again so like <laughs> it's really hard to say how things are going to move no it's true <laughs> and it's it's i mean if you look at i love this example from uh i learned through school from from learning about aerospace just about the introduction of the airplane and air travel at the time you know naval operations if you own the seas you own the world mm. kind of thing and when the airplane first came out they were like that's eh, a nice trick yeah it's a nice trick you know have fun with your they toy really didn't realize and then they had a demonstration much. with generals yeah sure and there were reports of the generals were crying afterwards because their entire world is like over just yeah. crumbled because they realized that what they had no longer worked right. you know that this new thing the airplane now crumbled their entire world and then you know then there's thinking where you're this limited type of thinking where historically we've had it especially in this country where it was the someone in the patent office someone real high up might have been the head of the patent office in the u.s it was like the turn of the 19th 20th century where he basically said you know everything has been invented so, <laughs> yeah, 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 everything has been invented. You can't go faster than 20 miles an hour. <laughs> right. or will kill you. Like, so there's yeah. no reason to have a patent office anymore. Sure. You know, and it's just like, it's almost, it's almost ironic that as soon as people say that, all the shit changes. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I think that that's to some extent, like, people keep those stories to remind everyone how bullshit it is to say that, you know, this game's is over, it. we're going right. home. Like, right. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, had things gone on for another 50 years, like, I would never have been quoted and like, mm-hmm. this is, you know what I mean? I think that there's enough people on the planet saying enough things, us included, yes. or maybe yeah. one day <laughs> we'll be considered geniuses. I don't know. That's the hope, but you know, this is the historical record right here. <laughs> right, right. We're chronologuing everything. Yeah, is that even a word? Chronologue? Chron- no, no, I don't think no, so. It's no, it's not. Definitely. That's all right. I like to make up words. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's let's uh, wrap it up with. Uh, well, first, I have questions because you guys are guests, and I ask all the guests these uh, okay. questions. Sure. So we'll go Neil and then Neri. <clears throat> okay. So I'll ask you guys the same question. So uh, where would you rather go? The moon <laughs> or Mars? Hmm. Is this uh, just a trip or to stay? Um, it, that, that's, that's up to you. Oh, okay. If I'm going to stay, I'd like to go to Mars. If okay. I'm going to visit, I'd like to go to the moon. Okay. I like that. Neri? You know, I'd give the moon a pass. Okay. <laughs> Frankly, we have this joke amongst our friend circle too that you can't trust. <laughs> <laughs> We're you, bringing this up. <laughs> that you can't trust that bitch, the moon. <laughs> that that you, he's not a man at all. He's he's not a man in the moon. He's just a moon. Like, it's not even made out of cheese. <laughs> like, man on the moon. How many lies has this guy spread <laughs> over his tenure here? I I just you know I'd give the yeah. moon a pass. It seems like a dangerous place. There's like 50 mm-hmm. yard deep pits of like charged dust that you could like drown in like a day you know i think it's pretty hostile mm. it doesn't do close to mars <laughs> well, Mars at least has like an atmosphere like i'm not gonna uh, barely barely well, barely better than nothing ever. if you're gonna consider mars has an atmosphere then yes the moon and does, plus like the mars has an atmosphere the moon does thing. have somewhat of yeah an atmosphere. technically, oh, technically. Uh, not, like a stray hydrogen particle <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, you know, the Mar- Mars seems cool though, like Olympus Mons. Yeah. It's got like some interesting mm-hmm. geological features. Well, I don't that's think what they were, named it. Though. I don't think I'd live there though. I gotta be okay. honest with you. I just I'm a I'm a man from Earth. Like I I definitely visit. It seems like a cool, okay. I'd hike on Olympus Mons. Maybe like ski it's down. The tallest mountain in the, the galaxy that we know. Or, that we the, know. The, the universe, I guess. No, solar sorry, system. solar system. Solar wow, system. I'm just throwing around words. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you drink. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, number two, what's your favorite uh, space sci-fi movie, show, or book? <laughs> uh, I think Independence Day. I watched that okay. movie probably five hundred <laughs> times. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to Earth, Larry. <laughs> you know, recently I've seen a lot of good movies, but when I think of like a good science fiction story, I think about a book I read when I was a little kid. It was called Gridlinked. Okay. And I don't know, it was written by Ian Cormack, maybe, I think is the name of the author. But it was basically like a Secret Service agent in the galaxy, but he had like a Whoa. permanent mind connection to the internet. And it was what? just like, it was just like how he <laughs> dealt with like the psychological effects of being grid linked. Like linked to the grid. Just being, no, know everything that's just going on. Just knowing everything all the time. And eventually it's like, kind of like how he like comes to terms with the fact that he's like, he is a man after all. Because he started, he like started to forget. Jesus. It was like pretty interesting. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, you know, so if you guys ever want to read like a pretty interesting short story. Sounds I crazy. Read, I would read Gridlinked by wow. me. Oh, Carmen. it's a short story too? Well, it's a, it's like a shorter book. Oh, wow. Like maybe like 180 pages, I think. Wow, that's pretty short. Mm-hmm. I, got cool. it, I got it from my friend, Jake Peters. You'll never <laughs> Shout hear out. this book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, number three. So I, I like asking this question because I don't think anyone's asking it. Uh, what about climate change do you not understand? Ooh. Um, I don't understand the, the effect of, like, how the the warming is going to continue, like, compound. They're like, it's all this stuff is locked up mm. in permafrost, and then just by it becoming warmer, that's going to come out and make it even warmer, and it's just going to run away. Hmm. I mean, it seems like there's got to be some sort of... Stop Function. Higher, yeah, right. Higher right. Some sort of, yeah. yeah. I don't know. What about you, Neri? So that's a tough question because I, know. <laughs> I don't know all the things that I don't know, surprisingly. So, um, Well, actually, that's a, that's a pretty good <laughs> statement. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but, you know, I guess, I guess to some extent, I don't really understand how, like, the ocean currents play into things because I know mm. to some extent that there's some kind of, like, circulating ocean current that, like, helps kind of, like, mediate temperature fluctuations mm-hmm. but like aside from that I don't know what they are right. or if it's a good thing or a bad thing that this I pre- presumably it's a good thing that the ocean currents are moving in some direction but like right. if that were to change like I have no idea what would come out of that and then also my second thing is like Ooh, we got two is it really that bad that we're going to be able to farm in Canada? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're like, oh, it's getting warmer. Oh, 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 my God. And it's like, well, I mean, the Earth has gone through these dramatic climate changes in the past before. And mm-hmm. life has adapted. Yeah. You know, even if we don't survive, something is going yeah. to survive. And something's going to thrive because it's warmer. Yeah. Right. There's always these, these, right these, mm-hmm. an, these organisms no, are always ready yeah. for like these, these new f- conditions. And that will pounce once it... Once it yeah. comes about. Right. It definitely, you know, it's a very extreme shift, it seems, in a short amount of time. And th- I think that, you know, if the human race does the right thing, we'll try to mediate that kind of influence. But, mm-hmm. you know, I also read a book one time where it was, like, really cool that we could, like, 
ship things to Russia just right over the top, man. <laughs> it was like a much shorter shipping lane. Like right. I don't know. So just to think that it's all bad or that just like we were talking about extrapolating out right to infinity that like you know in 25 years Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be trekking across <laughs> America on like a two mile in the glacier. summer blockbuster <laughs> so like you know I, I don't want to say it's going to be all bad right but like there could be like unexpected things that happen that mm-hmm. maybe end up making up for it at least a sure. little bit so sure um, and uh, to be fair I'll, I'll give mine too um I've got a few but uh for this episode, I'll, I'll say I don't understand why global change, climate change people are so, like, like you're stupid if you don't know. This. <laughs> like, that's not helping anybody. With, like, the social judgment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, it's not being a stepfather and trying to tell me, like, what I don't know. Like, <laughs> like that doesn't, that just makes me not want to believe in your cause. <laughs> You know, so that, I mean, that's part of the reason why I asked the question, because it's like, yeah, let's stop acting like we know what it is, and let's ask questions about what we don't know. Yeah. I and mean, that's going to help everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not saying, oh, you're ignorant. <laughs> okay, explain it to me then, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And guaranteed, 80%, I mean, granted, this is this episode, so <laughs> 80%, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I would say eighty percent of the people that actually say that yeah. don't actually know what. Oh, of course not. What climate change? But I mean, that's really true of is. any science. Like, it's true. Any expert is not going to be like real up in your face, being like, "You're a real bitch if you don't understand my tiny subject." <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like they generally have a pretty good idea of like yeah. the role of their field in greater society, and it's always the people who like hear about it and then latch on to it for mm-hmm. some other emotional reason and then right. kind of project that as like a tool on you. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's kind yeah. of like my it, own pet theory on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, number four. Uh, Star Trek or Wars? Wars. Ooh. <laughs> I'm surprised. I thought for sure you were going to say Star Trek. I mean, Trek. I am a big Trekkie, but Star Wars is just way more entertaining. Okay. I mean, I've seen... I, I was... A, I've watched... I mean, most this is a lot of the original, but I was a big uh, next gen guy. Me too. And big Voyager guy. That's what Voyager I grew was up awesome. With. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, if I had to choose whether I was going to watch like a Star Wars movie or a few episodes of Star Trek, I'm going to watch Star Wars. Okay, yeah. all right, I like that. I know. I actually have to confess that my exposure to Star Trek has actually been like pretty low. I've oh. watched like the original series for mm-hmm. sure, but pretty much after like everything after that, it's like a blank slate for me. So I would have to go Star Wars just because okay. that's what I know, man. All the highs and lows that mm-hmm. there are in it, like that's it's what actually. I, I, I would say that's more common <laughs> is that it's it's one or the other. I don't think most people have both. Yeah. So I wonder if it's genetic. <laughs> <laughs> you guys would know. <laughs> my, my dad was actually like a Trekkie though, so I guess huh. I'm like in a like an abnormality. I don't know. Well, that's I, I grew up with Trekkie. I grew yeah. up with uh, Next Gen. We had the entire series on VHS. It was amazing. <laughs> I think my dad just liked to watch. Shatner fist fight guys well, in rubber suits and, like, I don't well, know. And I'm pretty sure Picard could kick the ass out of any, <laughs> any character from any of well, them well here's here's the, the the weird thing so it was a it was a a shift in leadership between the original series oh right and it's actually like a book on like managerial style from the next generation mm. that was written that's so like funny, because man. of that as long so, as everyone says that Janeway sucks right like, everyone, doesn't yo, Janeway everyone was badass she right? was, oh, does she was a badass like cap oh uh, yes Janeway was oh, okay. she was an amazing cap I don't want to misstep here uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so it went from the, the the guy who did everything was at the front line was heading the charge yeah. to 
the team aspect where he delegated and that yeah, was that sure. was Picard. It was he he delegated to the person that knew what they were doing. Sure. You know? It was that team aspect. Um sorry I didn't meet the nerd out there, but <laughs> uh <laughs> this is my show, so uh anyways, number five. Um <clears throat> to finish it up, do you think there are aliens out there? I think there has to be, not necessarily in the intelligent form, but mm-hmm. there has yeah. to be some other form of life out there. It's just there's so many planets, there's so many combinations of chemicals yeah. that appear there. Yeah. Maybe not be a form that we we will immediately recognize, but there right. has to be some sort of you know organization of molecules that reproduces itself and yeah. that mm-hmm. fits the you know all the characteristics of what we would consider life. Mm-hmm. I guess I would have to say more or less the same thing. I mean, our, 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 I guess our body of knowledge consists of basically one planet at this point. <clears throat> it seems wrong to extrapolate out to the whole mm-hmm. galaxy on the end of one to right. bring it back to the whole f- initial conversation here. So, but, you know, based just on the, the sheer stability and kind of like robustness of mm-hmm. like DNA and RNA and like those things and how easy... Um, those compounds seem to have aggregated and kind of self-propagated on their own with apparently no, sorry for you believers out there, but apparently no intelligent director. It seems likely to me that there's some other similar system that probably exists whether they'll high five us as we land on their like home right. planet, mm-hmm. I don't know. Or we'll be able to high five. Or their tentacle, <laughs> high five their tentacle. Like I don't know what. But like for for like stuff out there, like people think that we're gonna like run into like talking alien crystals outcroppings. <laughs> like I I can't speak to that kind of. Yeah. I, I think whatever alien race we meet is probably gonna be ambulatory and ambulatory. What, what's that? Just moving. It, like a moving creature they're not going to be like okay. a plant or something stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're, you're a specious aren't you i am yeah. specious <laughs> i certainly am no uh <laughs> that's going to be like the racist front of the future for yeah sure. yeah 22nd century species. if you don't accept he's cannabis. a crystalline life form <laughs> love, love him for who he is equality man it's a geo <laughs> he can't run for office he's a Rock. No, that's really going to be like oh, that's yeah. going to be like the edgy forefront of things in the future. <laughs> the Zignia certificate. Zignia <laughs> <The> certificate. <laughs> but yeah, so like you know, I think that um, I don't think we're gonna have a meaningful conversation with like a giant purple mushroom. Mm. Like, what could they say to us in terms of like? communication that we really appreciate i don't know well take take the amount of life we have on earth how many yeah. creatures on earth can we talk to i just think the funniest thing of all you've, like we meet an intelligent alien species and everyone's psyched on both sides and then as we get to talking we realize that like these guys kind of like suck yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're just assholes they're just like oh, we just don't get along oh at all God. like it's, they're not worth fighting really it's just like guys let's just dude, try to avoid like these it's people. like why don't you guys these, these just organisms. stay on your side and we'll stay on our side it's definitely this day, definitely a late night comedy <laughs> coming up in the future here oh my god yeah I, I mean I, I'm definitely a believer of I mean first of all if you take the the sheer vastness of the universe and the fact that in our own solar system we've if you look at a map of our solar system and you look at the minuscule square that we've actually looked at yeah it's shocking yeah I'm sure it's so it's like to make any kind of statement 
is ignorant in and, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So I do believe there's something else out there. What it is, who knows? I am not going to even dare to <laughs> to say what it is because who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, the fact that our planet exists in a solar system, in a planetary system around a sun that's stable, that we're in a habitable oh, zone. I don't know about that, that. I think the the fact that all of that is in play in this time. Yeah, but I mean, we wouldn't, wouldn't be able to comment. A hundred thousand years from now, it wouldn't. A hundred thousand years before that, so it's oh. like it's like, man, like I think those those the years are off, but as far as the scale of the universe goes, sure. like that's pretty special. Yeah. And maybe maybe we're just off time wise in different areas. Yeah, maybe we're I mean, just looking at the mm-hmm. wrong time. Yeah, or it's very possible. We're looking at it, it's so far away, it's happening and we can't see it. I mean, for all we know, it, <laughs> like, you know, life on Earth has been around for about 4 billion years, maybe a little less, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, what if it takes about 4 billion years of fucking around before you get something that can really comprehend that kind of distance? Right. So like, the universe is what, 13.7 billion years old? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that number. It's pretty unlikely for any intelligent species to make it for 3 billion years. Hold on, hold on. Years. Let's fact check. <laughs> Let's fact check this guy, alright? Hold on. And story Hold history on. of just blatant just lying. So he's really our <laughs> he is our Edward Snowden. All right, really anything that I said, just... you guys should assume that I lied about it because how old? This isn't actually my name either. I should bring that up in case you're already fourteen, 14 billion years. Billion. So, so you were point three billion years off there, okay. buddy. <laughs> actually, that's not bad. It's a good average between a, twelve and fourteen yeah, billion. But, you know, wouldn't it be a shame if an intelligent species only came around once every couple billion years, and then in that case, we'd probably never find them, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, there's... Shitty, you know, by the time we come around and start looking around, it's like their whole planet has already crashed into the sun, and <laughs> boiled away into nothing, so. Well, I like to take the more optimistic view, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to say you're wrong. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap this up with real quick, what do you guys think of the one-year mission? I think it's a good idea. I mean, I think that's a good first step into looking at what kinds of genetic drivers mm-hmm. space will have on a human system. And mm-hmm. I think we're fortunate that we actually have these two guys who are oh, yeah. capable and ready to kind of do this kind of experiment. So it's, I think it's definitely cool. I can't wait to see what the results are. I mean, that will be out in what? A couple? Actually, um, we probably won't publish either. it. Yeah, they probably like, won't well, publish six it. Six months is when it ends, and then yeah. they got to do all the analysis. NASA seems all to all be stuff, pretty good so. about not leaking early, too. Yeah. So I feel like yes, uh, they they definitely yeah they 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 have a good knack <laughs> of saying we don't know yet. Yeah, don't say it. You know, mm-hmm. um, so it could be it could be a semi it could be like another year or two before we actually find out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot of data to pull through. It too. is. You know, it is, and, and and then you have to you have to run through. Okay, how. Significant is this, sure, which is a yeah. whole other thing mm-hmm. in science. Is yeah, you may have gotten it in an experiment, but can that be replicated? Sometimes is the, it? Yeah, sometimes you know? the failures tell you more than if you won. So yes. like, I mean, how many people have had successful experiments, but they tell you nothing? That happens a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yeah. that happens a lot. Uh, uh, Neil, what about you? Um, I think it's a good place to start. I would warn against trying, like uh, when they do come out with results, extrapolating that because it is a space will make you lose weight. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the new weight loss pill made in space. The zero G diet. (laughs) It's called geosynchronous orbit, and it could come any day to your door. That's like a Rick and Morty episode, right there. (laughs) Yeah, and then the the. you know, the whole fast-talking guy underneath yeah. his tongue, so I can put all the side effects. Yeah. <laughs> it's just undistinguishable. Yeah. 
Um, awesome. Yeah, I, I really do think it's 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 a great thing. It's and not only that, it's also a totally international mission too. Um, that's cool. Yeah. So it is cool to see other countries kind of like getting in on the mm-hmm. on the game there. So and that's I mean I think that's one of the great things about uh, what we have with the space industry today is that it's remained uh, an international thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know I mean it started as a a race between nations, but it's it's a uh, it's managed to keep itself that way, which is nice. Uh, internationally, not, <laughs> not a race between nations. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you guys. I, uh, this was fun. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I had, had a time. lot of fun too. You know, maybe in uh, a couple of weeks when the heat dies down, we well, can <laughs> come back here. We'll love to come on there at the end of the mission. Yes. Oh, no, you wow. guys will definitely yeah, like be back. A yeah, if anything sequence. comes up, yeah. um, okay, I'll, I'll cool. call you guys back in for... Definitely. Another drinking with engineers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Engineering with drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out, yeah, the, which, what which do you call this? You know, it's like, so I think, I think that fits. Okay. I think that fits. All right. Thank you guys again. Oh, yeah. And uh, have a great week, everybody. Bye. And that's it. Thank you for listening to Today in Space. This was Drinking with Engineers. I really hope you enjoyed it. I had a great time with Neil and Neary. Thank you both for coming on. And we're going to be doing more of these in the future. Uh, I can guarantee that. I had a blast. Um, that's it. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, have a great time. Spread love. Spread science. We'll be back next Thursday at 8 p.m. for another episode of Today in Space. Peace. Peace.